episode 71 of the Des and Des NBA podcast and I'm joined once again by Darren Hill and as we might jump straight into it today, I'll just ask you a quick question without notice to kick us off. How proud of you James Harden uh, getting his uh, 30th game in a row of scoring more than 30 points today uh, in a blowout win against the Dallas Mavericks? You voted for him over LeBron last year so you must be quite, quite sort of proud of your lad. Uh, well, I'd still, I'd still back him over LeBron uh, from last year, so <laughs> I don't have any regrets there. What, what I'd say about what James Harden is doing at the moment is that I think if you got to look at it, you got to put it in perspective, right? So these people that are going on, this is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened, and I, and I think the Trump analogy is actually quite accurate. So, in terms of they're just there's just this this sort of echo chamber that follows him and thinks it's the greatest thing that they've ever seen and they don't want to hear anything else from it. I think there'd be any number of players that if you gave them the level of usage that he's had and basically just say, every time we come down the floor, you're shooting, they could put up 30 points a game, right? Now, where there there is an element that this is impressive is Houston have been winning games, while they've been doing it. I mean, through this stretch, I think they've got the second best record in the NBA. So that's where, to some degree, it is impressive. Um, the fact that other players have stayed engaged enough and, and Houston have been playing some good defence through this period. Um, so that that part of it is impressive to me. But the fact that he's put up these 30-point games, I'm really not that impressed by it, personally. I, I'd give it a 2 out of 10 on the impression because... Name me the player, Daz. Honestly, you could name 40 to 50 NBA players that if you just said to them, every time we come down the floor, you're shooting, they could put up 30 points a game. It's not, a, And it's also not a difficult calculation. It's, it's not could. So I started to do this where, um, do you know what James Harden usage is, by the way, just to set the get some data here. Before today... Um, so I, I don't have I've got basketball reference, which is not up yet updated with today's stats. His usage is over forty percent, four hundred two. Um, to give you an order of magnitude, right? Because where does that stand, right? Can you guess what Kobe Bryant's highest usage at peak alpha Kobe Bryant was? Can you guess? Was it about the same, a little bit higher, or a little bit lower than what Harden has? Well, you, the, the season you'd have to look at is the season after Shaq left. So that'd be apples with apples in terms of that's the level of ball hoggery where where the, the Kobe level of ball hoggery was at its most. So that'd be that's the stat exactly I'm interested right. in, right? And I would no, I guess that, it's around mm-hmm. the 30% mark would be my guess. Well, no, it's close. No, his career usage was 32, okay. right? So peak, peak Kobe in that year, which is I, I, I would guess that's the year Shaq left. 0506. Yeah, he went to win with the, the Heat that year. Yeah, it was 38.7. So, okay. so one and a half to and after today, probably two, close to two full points lower than James Harden. Just to give, you know, order of magnitude of just how ball hoggery this is. So, look, it's not a complicated thing, right? And just as the right, the other sort of the top two MVP conversation here, Giannis, his usage is at, is at 31 days. So basically, you have to add 10 percent of all of Milwaukee's possessions were ended by Giannis and they're averaging, they're the fourth highest pace in the league and they average 105, 104 possessions per game, right? So there's, you go, add another um, 10 possessions to Giannis concluding a game and you say seven of those end with a field goal attempt 
you know, one ends with a with a free throw attempt, and one or one and a half ends with a free throw attempt, and one and a half ends with a turnover. So, and his average points per possession is one of the highest in the league with his true shooting percentage. So it's not it's actually quite simple math. So if Giannis was taking 41% usage, it'd be a pretty easy 35 to 38 points per game, depending on how those you know turned out. So it's not it's not complicated, right? So um, what's what I always find just right. Some people like to find heavy metal stickers and stitch them onto their denim jackets. Some people like to follow right Robert Smith's comeback tour with the Cure. Right. There's, I, I do think there's some artistic uh, interpretations where I, I would be. That's the one argument I'm, I'm open to listening to, Daz. It's like perhaps it's like arguing, um, you know, musical taste or artistic taste. Right. Part of basketball is an art form. Right. So that's part I would buy. But again, this, this from the people I would buy that from is like the people who enjoy. Right. Perhaps it's the, you know, like the the fuck you vote, right? Or the, um, that sort of the, the, the usurping crowd who, who are only supporting it because they like the fact that he's basically spitting in the face of all decorum of all reason, right? They love, you know, if they're the Bart Simpson vote basically is what I'm saying. So the only, the only, um, bit that I will let someone commit to is if they just acknowledge he's a far below league average shooter. That's a fact. Right, he's an average shooter from the three-point um, line, and is cataclysmically, um, universally, unabashedly, unashamedly the, the, the grandest, greatest flopper, faker, most mil, malintented um, miscreant, <laughs> ne'er do well. <laughs> he does well ne'er often, Daz around right, drawing fouls and the flipping of the neck and the flopping and it's you know, pick your worst um Argentinian versus Argentina versus Brazil, you know, soccer match flop. You know, and that's what we have with Harden. So if you committed to the fact you love the giant finger to the world, then I'll buy that. But if I will not I reject all notions if you're gonna talk statistics, you're gonna talk wins and losses, you're gonna talk, you know, value compared to other players, you're gonna talk points per game like any metric you pick other than an artistic fuck off vote you've lost me yeah well why don't we we i think we can throw out player efficiency as a stat let's just throw it out because he's he's ranked as the most efficient player in the league now if, if shooting the way he's shooting it makes him the most efficient player in the league just get rid of the stat or, or call it something else because he's anything but efficient. But his true shooting is still beneath Giannis's, right? And his true shooting, which takes in combination everything, is based on this ridiculous free throw, right? So efficiency is only defined by free throws, Daz. He's a below average, a 44% shooter from the floor. That's below league average. That's not all-star. That's not all-NBA. It's below league average. It's below Jeff Green, right? His three-point percentage is slightly above league average as a percentage. is 37%. Like it's slightly above league average, which, which is between 36, 36 and a half. So it's one tiny tick above average, Daz. But here's the problem right? I have, Daz. So I'm kind of go, how is that efficient? The game, just, but this yeah. is the problem I have. The game's being redefined before our eyes in, in this sense. There is this obsession now with numbers. And we've seen Russell Westbrook, another shameless stat chaser, get his 10th straight triple-double today. They, this is meaningless it's meaningless. I and mean, if you're going to chase a 30-point game 
in a game that you're up by 15 and the other team doesn't give a rat's ass anymore, what 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 meaning does it have? What's the point? You know, what what are they out there doing? And I, I defy anyone to say to me that that's entertaining to watch James Harden because it's just not. So here's the here's where these guys have to be right when you go. Um, I'll give them. Look, I, I categorically reject this. You know this. And again, I don't want to rehash my LeBron versus Harden MVP debate again. I actually don't. Where I'm going, still to this day, right? To this day, the, the year is 2019. We still talk about Oscar Robertson because of his triple doubles, right? We still talk about stuff like that. So I go, this is part of this the way the, the human condition and the data that we have in basketball for reference is the. This is imprinted in the memories. And so if if you're thinking, right, you're going, guess what? James Harden is never winning an NBA title. That I can speak with 100% certainty. He's never winning a title. So guess what? He better aspire to something different than winning titles, and it might as well be personal accolades. And so part of me, only a tiny part of me goes, if I accept the logic that he accepts the, the, the reality that he's not ever going to be good enough to elevate a team to win a title. If I ever, if I could hear him say that and just be authentic about what this is, I could accept, accept it a little bit more and therefore then have a, I guess, a, a, a beat back to this crazy, um, this, the, uh, this sentiment of how amazing and how terrific and how historic it is. But until he does that, which I doubt he'll do, right. It will actually, it will drive me like you will to, to insanity to how such ugly, putrid, malicious intention basketball gets rewarded is just, it it betrays me. Well, here's what I'd like to see. So, number one, rules committee meet in the off-season and say every time he pushes off for his step-back three, that's, that is an offensive foul because he's pushing. He's, you, you watch the way he plays. He's, pushing he's the hand. literally yeah. pushing the hand out. Now, I don't understand how that's not an offensive foul, the way he's doing it, right? Number one. Number two, if this is the guy, and I don't, and this is not restricted to James Harden because a lot of players do it. A lot of players do it. If the offensive player initiates the contact, it is, it cannot, it's either a no call or an offensive foul. It cannot be. The way Giannis is, and LeBron, for example, are, officiated when they're taking the ball to the rim is complete opposite to the way the likes of James Harden are officiated shooting jumpers from the outside. It's just like you can't breathe on a jump shooter, but you can mug a guy going to the rim and it's no call. And and all Harden's doing is kicking his leg out and then falling on the ground. I mean, the guy spends more time on the, on the floor than the, the guys that are mopping up at the end of the games. Yeah, we have part of our the the dedicated Daz and Daz following, right? We've seen some of the still shots. Um, it was it must have been against the Warriors, right? Where they actually called Steph Curry, where you see the referee staring. So James Harden had the ball, and Steph was guarding him, and um, Steph just like as any defender does, where you just you know your hands are in constant motion, your hands are coming up, and it came in the g- generic general vicinity of Harden's arm. Harden pretends to shoot the ball, and the ref is staring. He's like six feet away, staring right at the play, and bang, as soon as you see uh, Curry's arm go up, bang, calls a foul, right? And it's just, I think there's a, I think there's a very serious problem 
where one, did Steph Curry break verticality? No fucking way. Number two, who initiated the contact, right? It was the, it was the offensive player, to your point. And then number three, how does common sense, How is why is common sense now been legislated out of the game? We're going to try to be so technical about the fact that the, the body parts touched and calls it a foul. That's why I think this is now. That's why I kind of, I'm not going to give Harden the pass because he's a words I shouldn't say on a podcast. I, I <laughs> makes my brain melt. <laughs> but this is but this is a bit on Adam Silver now. So you're right. It's a it's a rules committee. It's an Adam Silver thing. It's they got to have different points of emphasis. But so there's the, the initiating contact. But for me, Daz, it's the there's that which I agree with you. The thing that really sends me in into an apoplectic fit is the snap back of the head. It's the, oh. again, it's the, the 1980s, um, you know, Serie A footballer who is pretending that he's, you know, had a compound fracture when in fact he's just, you know, fell to the ground by his own volition. It's the head back snap. It's the, the arms that flail up as if, you know, shot by a sniper in the spine. It's the, that, the, the histrionics, and the in the at, there's no other word than flopping, and if someone has a better word, I'd love to hear it. But that that's what gets me, Daz. Is that um, that's the one that gets me. Well, you literally was, you cannot defend the guy for the reason being that he's pushing off on those step back threes, and, and fair play to him, it's a tough shot. He hits it with regularity or some regularity. Thirty-seven percent, right? whatever. Yep. So yep. and Less then than Davis Bertans. If he drives it, if he drives it into the lane. He's just throwing the head back and getting a call every time he takes it to the rim, just about. Yeah. And then he just lives at the free throw line. So what, literally, how are you supposed to defend this guy? It's just, it, it is absolutely, the, the, the rules are sort of making it impossible as much as, as obviously he's talented. And no one's questioning he's a talented offensive player. But I think this, the, the Westbrook triple doubles and this 30-point run are two of the most overrated things that I've seen um, in, in all my years. Oh, I wasn't around, obviously, but for the Oscar Robertson time, so I'm not sure. I know Will Chamberlain was a historic stat chaser. Um, I imagine there was an element of that to the Big O's game as well. But, um, you know, I, I, when I've got the grandkids on the knee, Daz, I'm not going to be sitting back waxing lyrical about James Harden's uh, 30, 30 games of 30 points. Um, I can assure you of that. And I think... The, the the larger point. Let me give you some. Let me give you some context, right? So I kind of go. This is the beauty of living in our era: is that the history book will not forget that during the last six games, right, of Russell Westbrook's um, quote historic run, he is shooting thirty four point eight percent from the field, twenty percent um, from three point line, right, and averaging six turnovers a game. And we're gonna when we're gonna remember that. And they, well, they've actually won five of the six, so at least he's winning as well. But I, I, will, I go, so I go, not exactly 30, not 50, 40, 90 club. He's the 30, 20, 60 club. <laughs> Literally, 30, 20, 60 in the month of February. So well played, sir. But um, where I will always have a different category for Russ is, is he a stat hunter? Absolutely. Is a rebound chaser? 100%. Does he go picking and pecking for assists? You know, when they're up by 11 with a minute to go, he does. But at least he tries, right? At least his engine is always going a million miles an hour, and he's a blaze of, you know, of energy. At least he's not pretending and not going to the free throw line, faking, you know, um, you know displaced 
hips and you know well russ can't you know, go this. the three throw long because he doesn't make his three throws so it'd be 60 percent does not pass 60 percent look uh, how yeah. uh, final couple of points on this i mean the mvp award he's now the odds on favorite to win the mvp which to me if he wins mvp this year i'll just wipe my hands of it and so i i, I don't respect the award anymore it's done to me I, i've watched basketball this year and I and if he's been better than Giannis and Paul George, just to name two, and there's probably others we can come up with. I think I think Durant and Steph are both playing better than him. If he's better than them two, does I'll just give it away. I'll say I'm I'm done with basketball because I just can't see how you can possibly make. Well, an I think it's I think it's it. coming right, and I go, but I so part of me goes, maybe I'm with you, and I would love to throw it away as well, especially being a Bucks fan. Um, but I get, I'm sort of. I, I had similar arguments last year, where I said uh, the person's job description matters. It absolutely matters. And when your job description is go shoot as many times as you want, right? And that's his, that's James Harden's job description: run fucking infinite numbers of pick and rolls and shoot as many times as you want. That's your job description. Yeah, but here's the Versus, difference. I mean, not but, to, not to redo this argument again. The difference between LeBron last year, who played but, zero defense on the worst defensive team in the league, and what Giannis has done this year on the best defensive team in the league, there's there's a world apart. Does you cannot compare LeBron's quite frankly overrated season last year which was which was looked better at the end of it because of what he did in the playoffs and what Giannis and Paul George have done this year well, then I think I'm, what I'm they've done this year is far better than what he did last we, year and, and that's very fair there's no question you watch Giannis today he was all over the place he made Lowry Market and Robert Lopez you know look like you know like it was Zion Williamson versus the ACC um, so you know where I fall on that, on that argument, right? Which is the, so I agree with you, right? If you're talking about defensive effort, but then if what you're accepting, if I, if you're buying that argument is you're telling me that um, Dr. Flop and someone who doesn't play defense were the two most valuable players in the league last year. So I think that the whole, then we've just, then I think it has completely lost all meaning where these quote, most valuable players have such gigantic holes in their games that just, it shouldn't be, now look, I buy some of the. How did Bill Simmons actually? One of the things he did well was he. What is the MVP? There was a way he phrased it, Daz. What did he, he called the MVP is of like who had the who was like the lead story of the season, right? Who was the lead character? If the NBA '82 games was a is a story, was a novel, who was the main protagonist, right? Um, and so, so part of that thinking has me kind of going, like, I like that metaphor, actually, right? So that's why I think where I would, again, still kind of elevated LeBron last year, plus the job description of, if you think about job description, if LeBron had James Harden's job description, there's no conversation. If Harden had James, uh, LeBron's uh, job description, it's also no comparison. So I kind of go, one, I want, I wish we had more job description-based conversations, i.e. context, but then part of me says, who's got the narrative? I, I like this phrase, narrative. It's the who is the protagonist of a season. And you will, you would have to tie me down um, if you're telling me that the story of this 82 games um, and the main protagonist was James motherfucking Harden when the Bucks will probably win 30 more games, or not 30, but they'll win 20 more games than they won last year 
and this player has become a superstar in front of our eyes. And hell, if Steph ends up playing 60 games and playing the way he plays and they win 20 in a row, I mean, I would, I'd be the first person to put Steph ahead of Giannis for the spectacular things he does and just the way he tilts, tilts the floor. Um, so I guess what well, I'm saying is the, that the look, thing... who's the, who's the protagonist of the season? Well, right? where it comes who's to the Harden, character? from that point of view, it goes to Harden to an extent um, from the point of view of uh, they, they lost Capella, they lose Chris Paul, Eric Gordon's out for a bit, and everyone pretty much said Gee, that they might be struggling to make the playoffs now. And this is where, as I said, there is some element where you have to tip your hat and say they've, they've so, continually I'm gonna, so I'm won gonna, games. I'm going to take you to task over that. This. I'm going to take you to task over that because if you said his teammates got worse, therefore he's more important. That's the that's my LeBron argument, right? You, if you've just said the argument, and I'm not saying you're barracking for it, but you're saying that's the logic. I'm going that's absolute contradiction because you c- cannot say I'm more valid because my teammates are shit. But that's the LeBron argument from last year. His teammates were shit. To take that group of fucking idiots to do what he did last year, really hard to do. I don't think it was to hard take, to do. To he, run, got, he got the top four, he got the four seed in the decrepit East. How was that hard? It's, um, it's all relative. It's a race between two individuals. Compare the level of difficulty to what James Harden did. That's what I'm saying. Put James Harden in Cleveland's exact same situation. Replace the humans in the two situations. Oh, Cleveland is still a four seed last year in the East. Maybe, maybe higher. Maybe higher. <laughs> Are you serious? Did you watch the Eastern Conference last year? Every single bit of it. They it's were not, pathetic. But, it was pathetic. Wait a it was second. an embarrassment. We're, we're losing. This is. We're getting back into point. the LeBron. You won't, no, no, you won't, you won't no. convince me LeBron was good Listen, last year. You, you just said we can, rewind, we can rewind the tape. <laughs> Because we got digital tape. No, here. what you I'm saying is, if you want to talk about it from hurt a Chris Paul's narrative, hurt. Right? right? You say Capella's hurt and Chris Paul's hurt. Look what they're winning. So you are, you've literally just said, if your teammates are shit and injured, yes, therefore, hang on. You, you get more credit. Wait, LeBron's wait, wait. No. teammates were shit, so he should have gotten more he credit. Did, he had better teammates than Chris Paul's had. In, in uh, Sorry, than James Harden had once Capella, Paul, and Eric Gordon went down. I mean, they, they signed um, Austin Rivers off Isaiah the Isaiah Thomas, there. Jeff Green, terrific. No, he had still had Kevin Love. He so I'm had, kind of going, so forget, let's forget the comparing LeBron. So I'm kind of going, but you're actually making my point, is job description matters, right? Job description matters. Context matters. And so this is where I would give Harden credit. So you're actually, that's what I'm saying. You just made my point for last year. When your teammates are shit, you give a, a human being more credit for lifting the tide, right? And so I kind of go, if this is all that Houston's got, because their roster is so awful, and Tilma Fertitta has tied their hands behind their back because he's probably going to sell the team, and Daryl Morey, who we'd love to give a lot of credit for, but had a horrible offseason, is now is in gigantic scramble mode to find any talent on minimum salaries They don't get into the tax. I get it. James Harden's job description is way harder this year than it was last year. I 100% am off on that. I cannot get past the professional, the ethical, the spirit of the game, the intentions. He intends, when he comes down the court, he intends not to try to score. He intends to not try to beat the man across him. He does not intend to run the system. He does not intend to make his players better. He intends to trick the referees into blowing the whistle. 
many, many, many times. And I go, that for me is deal breaker. That's that's as much a deal breaker as the way Jimmy Butler shouldn't make the all-star team because he's such a horrible teammate and a franchise killer. It's a deal breaker. And that's where kind of I'm, I'm getting at, where I'm with you on job description and crappy teammates. I'll give him credit. But his malintent to not play a system, not improve players, not try to beat the man across from him, not shoot the basketball. There's many other options, and he chooses to try and fake it. You know, 10 possessions a game, 15 possessions a game. It's just, I can't accept it. Can't no, I, it. look, I agree. And I, I think the only thing, so over, that th- over this 30-game stretch is really what we're talking about. And, and as I said earlier, they have the second-best uh, record in the league in that time. So again, that the degree of difficulty on doing that as a team is is um, is obviously right up there, and I'd argue much higher than what LeBron faced last year. But let's not go back into into that uh, reliving that argument again. Other than to say, I agree with you on on the fouling, and I'm just I think the NBA has a problem when a guy goes in and shoots seven for thirty two and walks away and still has nearly forty points. And you just there's a, there's a real issue there, I think, because it's an issue with the aesthetics of the game. That and and, and these people are saying, well, I'm enjoying and I'm enjoying watching it. I, I think Who they says either, that? Well, Kevin O'Connor for one says it, and I think there's a lot of guys. You, you know, you don't have to search far on the internet to find the James yeah. Harden lovers out there. I think they either just love numbers and they love reading box scores, or they're just lying, because I don't see how anyone can sit there and honestly say. Gee, I loved the fact that he didn't get touched there, but he threw his head back in the way that fooled the referee. And now we're going to sit here for thirty seconds and watch him shoot through throws. No, I, I just—you you will never convince me that you're you're serious about that. And if you really are serious about it, I just don't think you're a you're a true basketball fan, to be honest. Because it's the total antithesis of everything the game's supposed to be about, and everything that makes the game the beautiful game. That we that, that I fell in love with, and that most of us want to watch. And yes, there's a time it's where you do spirit. like to see hero yeah. ball, and and I, you know the, the shot he hit against Golden State. You know, I tip my hat to him; it was a fantastic shot. It was a great moment in the season. But to sit there and watch what he's done here, I just think it's it's completely overblown. And um, he's probably going to win the MVP, Daz. And I think it's going to be an absolute travesty to me. And and it's interesting. I, I, well, I that's hear, the other part. Yep. I hear more and more, and and Giannis is sort of falling into the background now of the overall conversation of the league. So I think, even from a narrative point of view, it feels like that there's there's sort of this 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 uprising of pushing Harden down everyone's throats um, rather than Giannis, which that to me should be the biggest story. Never underestimate the human being's desire to do as little as possible, Daz. Never underestimate the human condition to get as much benefit for as little result as possible. And that includes NBA uh, national sports writers. Never underestimate the ability to be lazy and to do no thought. When I can be safe and follow the crowd, that's a very easy thing to do. Whether that's, again, business, uh, your family, uh, human evolution, uh, pick your, your domain. Human beings have survived as lo- and are as adaptable as we are by trying to minimize our resources um, extended to maximize resources gained. That's why obesity rates are crazy, right? So I, I literally mean this. I go, this is the other part of the of the quote, the narrative is who writes the narrative are the voters and the voters are the national, um, uh, not the national writers, but national writers and beat writers. Where I go, why let a good, lazy narrative 
get in the way with deep thought and common sense and not common sense, but analysis and and discourse and debate. Why let that get in the way? So that 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 aspect of humanity is is flying out the window, not just in the bloody NBA, but in a broader sense. So that's part of where I start to kind of go. You know what? I'd rather be the the starving artist here, and you know if. I kind of go, I'll look to Giannis, and if Giannis is stressed about it, then I'll be stressed about it. But if it doesn't bother him, then it can't bother me. So it doesn't bother the human, the individual himself, and I go, it's not going to bother me. And so that'll be my, my, little, my little pop psychology counsel to those who, are, who watch as many Bucks games as you do Houston Rockets games um, and say, if you're going to vote one way or the other, and you see if you're perhaps voting for Giannis and watch this unfold, and you're going to go, okay, you know what? The idiots rule. Uh, I believe that was a Jane's Addiction song back in 1991. So there you go. Nothing shocking. Well, so do, do you hear what I'm saying about it? It's I agree. easy. Like, why not just let it be an easy vote, right? We don't want to be, you know, the silly ones or the, the the black sheep or the or the naysayer. It's it's just easy to go along with the crowd. So it will be interesting to find where there are still. Um, Oh, look, Daz, I think the other thing that annoys me about this is there is an element of the James Harden and the Westbrooks have this <clears throat> have this sort of machine behind them, if you like, and I think it's pushed partly by Houston and OKC as, as ball clubs to push this narrative of them as the MVP. And I saw it firsthand when sort of Kawhi was in that three-way race, and you just got these sycophants in the media that are just constantly pushing out... Um, you know, for want of a better word, talking points about you know Harden's done this and Harden's done that, and it sort of gets drowned out because I don't, I honestly don't think it's as important for Yarns to win the MVP, and I don't think he cares. I don't think LeBron particularly cares about winning MVPs. So, but but it is important to the James Harden's of the world, and I think that sort of comes into it as well, which that's another part of it that does annoy me. Um, this sort of the pushing of the narrative down people's throats by people that have got the sort of wag and the push um, in this argument. Yeah, and that's right. And so I think you're, what you're saying is that there are, for the sheep, the voters, they will take social cues like we all do. We take, right, human behavior is most affected by the actions of our peers. And they will take cues from their peers, and if their peers are the ones, you know, putting out you know six thousand word on stories about James Harden and his historicness, and finding new ways to compare it to, you know, to historical players, or finding new ways to compare it to what, whatever VORP and con- contributions to winning, then, then that's going to just be an easy narrative to be shaped by because it's hard. You now have to do work. You have to do work to think about what it means to be a player like Giannis in, with a brand new coach and a brand new system where his entire ethos is to make his teammates around him as good as possible. When the entire ethos of James Harden is to, is to do as much as himself as possible. Now you have to think which is harder, which is more valuable, which, which is better, which should get a vote, right? The, the player who's trying to make the system work and to win as many games as possible by raising every one of his teammates or the one who does it all himself. And then we're getting in now into that. That's that's hard. Ah, oh, too hard. Mm-hmm. Vote for the guy who's averaging 36 points a game. Yeah. Too hard, right? <laughs> that's what it is. That's all it is. So I'm going to go, um, let the, you know, what's the phrase? Let, 
the wolf cares not the opinions of sheep. There's a lot of fucking sheep out there today. So mm. well done, James. Well played. And, and I also, uh, again, maybe um, I know you've been as busy as I have, and I'm not going to say you've fallen prey to narrative, but I don't reckon you know exactly Houston's schedule. But, you know, the games they lost are to the good teams. The games they win, Dallas, Sacramento, Phoenix, Houston at home, New Orleans, right? Mm. Uh, the New York Knicks, the Lakers, the Nets, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, oh, they did beat the Warriors lost. in there in the middle of it. They did 135, 3rd of January. Terrific. That was the game where I thought where you take this conversation is that Kevin Durant is so deplorable. <laughs> he, no joke. I jumped out of my chair when Harden hit the shot. Kevin Durant is so singularly deplorable of a human being, talking about motive and um, and attitude, that I screamed at the light when James Harden hit that shot to win the game on the 3rd of January, 135-134. So, okay, Hades, Hades had, what, nine? Not, no, Don, not Hades. Dante, Dante had nine circles of hell. Dot. So I go... KD and Harden are jostling for level eight and level nine. <laughs> so I don't know, are you still with me? I go. Kevin is so deplorable. Well, that it's game so was for Harden. That game was interesting because they had that the most yeah. egregious no call I've ever seen when, when, when Kevin Durant was out of the bounds by five <laughs> like three feet, feet like a and, meter. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, somehow right in front of the referee, it's just like, how do you miss that? I just didn't. Mm, unbelievable. Look, the last point I'll make on Houston. I think Chris Paul might be done, Daz. I, 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 I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, what's happened to him? Why isn't he in the... He just does... He looks like a shadow of the player that he was oh, last no. year. He had 11 like, assists today, though, didn't he? Well... Passes the ball. He passes the ball, but jeez. Has he turned into Kyle Lowry? <clears throat> well, Kyle Lowry, Dave... Well, Kyle Lowry's been putting up numbers the last couple of weeks. Kyle Lowry's had a back problem, so I, I, but I, I think there is some similarities there. They're both... They oh, both can't Holt. quite get right, but geez. Well, Chris Paul, it's just, just the hamstring still, I think. I don't the think hand, severe hamming, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look right still to me, um, but I, I think this is the version we're going to get the rest of the year. And what we've learned from this style of basketball is, look, it can win you a certain oh, amount of games in, in the regular season, but they're not winning. I'd be surprised if they won one play series, to be honest, um, the way they're playing at the moment. I, I can't. I, I feel bad because it was the... The injury ruined their season last year, and uh, I feel a little bit bad for that sliding doors. Well, you talk about but... narratives. I mean, that changes everything, doesn't it? If if, if Paul doesn't go down, I think they're odds-on favourites to win that title. Um, well, no, and they it, very nearly did written, it anyway. Let it be written. The 73-win team didn't do it. LeBron was so amazing, and Kyrie was so amazing. The 73-win team didn't do it, and then... You need Kevin Durant to come save you next year. Then you need a Chris Paul injury. So I kind of go, you know, they are a freaking amazing team. They're a juggernaut. They probably win without it, but it's, you know, there's a, there are some little, there'll be a little bit of lingering, you know, this dynastic conversation of, you know, geez, they, boy, they get quote, they got lucky, you know. So I know history is oh, written. Well, I think everyone, everyone gets a bit. Everyone of luck. gets a bit of luck. Everyone but, gets a bit of luck. So look, yeah. the next one I'll talk but about. Hey, Chris, but, but just with data. Chris Paul was 5 for 10 from three-point land, 11 assists today. 11 assists and zero well, turnovers, Daz. I didn't see today. So it wasn't going, the most competitive game when you've got James Harden running around 
say, I want to score 10 points in a minute to make sure I get my 30 points up. So I don't think... And Dallas are, Dallas are openly tanking at the moment, so I yeah, take no that one up. But fair enough, I mean... Donches is 21, 10 and 8. Any any know, positive in, direction for terrific. Chris Paul is good, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on to another, I think, much larger problem for the NBA, and that's tampering, Des. And uh, well, we only spent forty seven we only spent forty seven minutes talking about James Harden, Des. So uh, tampering, terrific. This will be an easy one. <laughs> well, now look, I've got a bone to pick with you because your Milwaukee Bucks yeah. have been tampering, Des, and I'm not very happy about it because I don't like tampering. Um, this is honestly there's a whiff of NFL about the way the NBA is handling this does I'm with you so for those who don't know right the um, uh, the tampering that Daz is referring to is one of the Milwaukee Bucks co-owners was when prompted by national media on a nationally televised game with cameras and microphones on him while he's in the stands watching the team he owns right prompted like i can't state that enough the nba requires him to answer these questions and prompt unprompted by the national writers asking about hey anthony davis mentioned the milwaukee bucks as one of the four teams um he would sign with what do you think about that and mark lazarus says oh you know it's a testament to the team and you know, we've had terrific success this year. And, yeah, who wouldn't want to be mentioned in, the, in that same breath as those those terrific franchises and be mentioned and be attractive and Milwaukee to be a, an attractive place to be for Anthony Davis? Uh, that's where he was wrong. You can't say Anthony Davis's name. Yep. If he said right. everything you just said but left off the Anthony Davis, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As soon as he says Anthony Davis, that's tampering, Des. And- so then they go, and this is why Adam Silver has himself a Roger Goodell size problem where again prompted by the M- the NBA requires him to answer those questions number 1 number 2 the NBA has hand picked those reporters and they approve the questions he's asking so I go he literally baited down the path and then they fine him for it at the same time on the other hand you have what Rich Paul and Anthony Davis have done mm. which is to completely de- um, a player under contract for 18 more months, under contract, written, inked, gets all of his paychecks, destabilizing two franchises the way they've done it. That's perfectly fine. That's why I go. This this is a this is a bit of a Gordian knot. This is a this has lots of angles to it, Daz. And so, um, the, the, what's the answer? How, I mean, have you given any thought to what what is the answer? What's the recourse for a team if if one of these star players, eighteen months out, publicly requests a trade and says, "I want to go to this team," what what should so the recourse me, be from this, the NBA rules point this, of view? That's a great question. I I don't have the full answer. I can say there's some principles. And I go number one, right? So the fact that so that for me the bigger issue is the fact that the NBA has been leaning in. Let's just say. Um, it had been debated and reported and unreported about whether or not the NBA actually contacted Dell Demps to, and threatened to fine them $100,000 a game. It's now been reported that wasn't exactly what was said, but it was intimated, right? So we're into the we're into you know six-dimensional chess and playing poker here, Des. But the um, what principle number one? 
you're under contract. You have to fulfill the conditions of your contract in order to get paid, right? So we need to look at what are the conditions of employment, i.e. being healthy. Probably that's about all you have. As long as you're healthy, uh, you are able to fulfill your job description, which is to play basketball games and try to win them. So long as you're healthy, fulfill job description, right? In this case, Anthony Davis is very healthy to fulfill job des- job description. But guess what? The employer is like, nah, I don't want you to work today. I don't want you to work for the rest of the day because you've, right, what Anthony Davis has done, of course, is try to get his way out and put the, the franchise in turmoil. So here's where I un- uncharacteristically will side with the employer here. Mm-hmm. It's in the condition where Anthony Davis has done what he's done, which is to come out publicly, demand the trade, destabilize the franchise, Basically, because of this, the last two weeks, they forced him to trade members of their club, right? Nico's gone, and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of things happen. It, to say it destabilizes almost is an understatement. It completely has rocked the foundations of the franchise, the franchise economics, and it's at least, let's call it a minimum five-year outlook for him to do what he's done. To then have the team not have the right to put him on a shelf to preserve the asset. Now we're talking business here, Daz. Forget the fact that Anthony Davis is a, for I know, forget he's a human for a second, right? The human destabilized the situation ago, but he's an unbelievably valuable asset for this business. To, to not allow the, the, the employer the right to do with that asset as they please is, for me, almost a non-starter. Well, what about right? this? What, about, what happens if he walks in next week and drops his pants in Del Demp's office and does a big shit on Del Demp's office's desk, right? Well, he's violated, he's violated his contract, Dad. Oh, is he violated the contract? No, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. We got to get in real, we got to get, we got to get clinical with this. We do. Well, that's, but that's what, what, at what point do, can, can they say, you're no longer playing for us? This is, this is my point, I guess. Injury. That's what I'm saying. I think that what, what, what the NBA and this says, might be the answer where they I, say if you request a trade publicly, we we reserve the right to not play you, and and send you to New Mexico Albuquerque, right? Sit out the rest yeah. of the season there. That's where yep. I think that that's the sort of stuff that needs to come into a contract because I understand the NBA's point of view. It's a star driven league, but and the and the point I was going to make is if he comes in and does something silly or does something like Bobby Portis did and punch someone in the head. They've got the right then to to sit to to sit somewhere. I guess now on on to your point about the contract, it's all more about misconduct then. But surely this is misconduct to ask publicly for a trade demand uh, to another club. You would think. You would think, wouldn't you? Like what would right. happen at your business if you went in tomorrow? And we know from what you've told us before, you sort of you've been looking around a little bit. If you just went in and said, "Look, guys." I'm gone in three months. I've just had enough. Um, I'm not here for the long haul. Yeah. Yet you're working on a long-term project. That's a, so it's I know exactly what happens, direction. right? What happens is my leadership stops investing in me. They stop trusting what I say. They stop listening to what I do. And they stop and they start looking for alternative futures. Right? You have to. Because guess what? It's a business. That's it's not right. a club. And there's a contract in place. So I... I think Silver is going to – I hope he doesn't come down on the wrong side of history here. I love – I do love, and I love is a good word, 
I, I love, admire, respect, support, get energized by the fact that the NBA has created a culture and a, a relationship between the league and the players union and a relationship between the league and the players themselves that allows them to this freedom, whether it's freedom of expression, freedom to have business ventures, freedom to have, you know, player movement, etc. I, I do love that. I think Silver's got this one wrong, right? So I love that he's been a bit very much pro player and pro star, but he's got this one wrong where he's fining the Milwaukee Bucks for saying someone's name whilst letting the person, the, 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 the asset himself, do what he's done to these two franchises and not have, again, I know that's more governed by, by um, employment contracts, right? The contract between the New Orleans Pelicans and Anthony Davis. So I know that's the governing sort of realm of that. But I think Silver is coming down on the wrong side so far, Des. Well, I'd, I mean, I'd be even harsher than you, Des. I'd say if you come out and publicly request a trade 18 months out, right, you you get to, you get can sit out six months without pay. Like, make these players put their money where their mouth is if they want to do this sort of stuff. Because to me, it's a breach of contract to say you've signed the contract for four years, right? I understand it to a point... Where you get to the point where that's Paul an George interesting did, idea. Yeah, where Paul George said, "Okay, we've got a year to go. Yeah. I'm going to give you the opportunity to trade because I'm not staying." And he did it in the off season. I think that's the way to do it. Where and then he said, "Look, if you want me to come back and play, I'll play hard for a year, but then I'm gone." So he gave Indiana the opportunity. I, I, you do it eight months I, out. That's yeah. that's a totally different ball game, does. Yeah. Look, I, I, it's a it's a really interesting idea. I just go. I just wish Silver was more on the side of just looking at this from pure labor, a pure legal perspective, right? And not this, um, excuse me, not this. Again, let me take a half step back. What do you think he's trying to accomplish with this, Daz? Where he he finds Anthony Davis, and the and the rationale for finding him was because he'd made a formal request, right? So in this whole schmuzzle, the only people to have been fined are Anthony Davis and the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> what? What's? No, I'm really. That's, isn't that crazy? Right? When LeBron, Rich Paul, Rich Paul and Anthony Davis, um, Magic Johnson, the LA Lakers organization are the real right antagonists here. This is the villains, right? Go, what? What do you think is Silver's end game with this? What? What? Put yourself in his shoes. What's he looking at here? Why is he slapping down Davis in the box? I think like what's he's your, looking what's your at. I mean, look, it? the the, yeah. the tampering rules have been clear that if you you cannot talk about another player. So I remember, um, I'm trying to think. I think it was, it might have been Brett Brown that was being interviewed. It could have even been Sam yeah. Hinkie actually that yep. was being interviewed, and they asked about a specific player. I think they actually asked him about Giannis from memory. And they were talking about the Yars, could you have drafted Yars? And he said, look, I, I don't know, I can't even mention his name because then they can accuse me of tampering, right? So he couldn't even mention the guy's name. That's, that's been, I think, a long-standing rule. So I think yeah. uh, uh, coming down the bucks, I think that's just a black-and-white thing where they just say to owners, you cannot utter another 
teams players know, yeah. or we'll just say it's tampering. And really, what was <laughs> I think it was a fifteen thousand dollar fine. So it was a, it's a slap on the wrist. It's like us getting a ten dollar twenty five grand, but yeah, twenty five grand. Yeah. So yeah. and even the the Davis one, I think that was just a a little bit of window dressing in terms of he made the, but, the trade request public and they didn't like that. But it's basically saying we we can we one hundred percent condone and support. Anthony Davis and Rich Paul. I think they've misread doing this. I think they've, they've misread. That means they 100% support the Los Angeles Lakers trying to use predatory tactics against the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, I think they they're more looking at it and, of yeah. we're supporting players' ability to make these trade requests, whether it's to Los Angeles Lakers or San Antonio Spurs or wherever. I think that they're supporting the players' right to to ha- to have um, autonomy over boy, where oh they boy. play. Yep, now that's, that's a, a very argument. dangerous. Yep. That's a it very is. dangerous precedent to set. When you're also trying to keep smaller market teams um, competitive and able to sign that re-sign their own players, etc. And that's where I think they've got it wrong. And that's where the next CBA is going to be fascinating to say what recourse the teams yeah. have. If a player comes in and does what an Anthony Davis done, and it's, it's look, there's no winners here, Das. Anthony Davis comes out as as a guy that most people I think liked and respected in the league. He comes out looking terrible because of this. LeBron Look comes out dick. looking terrible. Now you know I've never sort of bought fully into the LeBron is a good guy sort of image, and and he, and let's not overlook the great stuff that he has done off the court, but. This is the reason, as I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is the reason why people get annoyed still at LeBron. So this has hurt him. It's hurt Magic Johnson's image. Um, one of the positive things is it sort of seems to have upset what's happening over there in Boston. So that's been one of the good things, That one of the only good things does to come out of the whole situation. But really, the, the, there are no winners here. And I think from the NBA's point of view, I think they thought we'll back the, the this sort of player empowerment message, and um, you know no one really cares about New Orleans anyway. But I think there's a broader message there, and I think a lot of a lot of teams fans, including myself, I mean I went through it to some degree with the Spurs and, and Kawhi. Um, Touchwood, you won't have to go through this with with Milwaukee and, and Giannis, but I think a lot of other teams around the league are looking at that and saying, you know, there but for the grace of God walk I because this could be them with their star. You know, it could be the Mavs in a few years with Doncic. Um, it could be, um, you know, it could be the Wizards with um, with Bradley Beal for your argument's sake. I mean, I'm just sort of throwing names out there now. But I'm with you. You yep. know what I mean? So yep. I think other I teams, fans, look at it, and that's where they've got a problem. And I think that's where they uh, need to say, if a player, if, if this is the precedent where a player says, 18 months out, I want out, and, I'll, and I'm going to make a public trade request. Okay, I think the team should have the right to say, okay, go down to Albuquerque for six months and you're doing it without pay. If you want to do that, that's fine. You've put your money where your mouth is. You're in breach of contract. See you later. We'll trade you in the off-season. And they still keep his rights for that 18 months. And if they wanted to, they could say, you're not playing for 18 months. Yeah, people there are clever answers like that. I, I think actually was the I think it was Bill Simmons or someone... Realm who, who termed this pre-agency, right? This is the pre-agency period. You know, this this is the from the trade deadline up to the summer before your final year on your contract is often when right this player movement is starting to happen more and more and more. It's not just the free agency on July one, the year your 
the day your contract expires. So maybe there's like a pre-agency clause that but allows. But this could that. have all done, does do. This could have all been done behind closed doors. When that well, that's the other ago. thing. We, well, that's the other thing where I, I think about. Well, what if you take a, a law, um, look more closely at the the actors in this situation, right? The Lakers and and the extraordinarily under pressure traded seven first round draft picks in a row. Um, New Orleans Pelicans is that the leaks that were happening, the the messaging that's getting out, the third party delivery, the the who says what about what and who said what about is he are they really seriously negotiating in faith are they not just this whole thing right reeks of two franchises who are you know what they're pretty shittily run right in comparison to let's say um, Chris Paul got traded fucking took us all by surprise Daz Blake Griffin got traded blindsided us like nothing. Paul George, boom. Next thing you know, he's on the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? There are franchises who have their shit in order and don't have leaks like this, who have relationships with, with agents, relationships with their players, and credibility and trust with the inner circles of the front office and the team, the, the players themselves, where this shit kept, is kept in-house. Even Kyrie, right, with... Um, in fucking Dan Gilbert's organization with with baby GM Kobe, right? We were all blindsided by the Kyrie stuff, right? That was kept quiet for a time. Juxtapose that with this fucking train wreck, right? The Magic Johnson, the Lake Show, the the fucking the tampering, the arrogance, the hubris, the the shadow GM Rich Paul, the now Magic come out and had an interview. He had an interview, Daz, where he said. The New Orleans Pelican. He was complaining. Like, imagine that just the arrogance and the entitlement is so unbounded. Where Magic Johnson was complaining that Del Demps wasn't negotiating in good faith. Imagine just, mm. just chew on that for a minute. So I kind of go. Then I, I look at that and go take a step back. And what we said a couple episodes ago, where we said in the loss in Los Angeles. In particular, it's looking at them for a second. We've got at least three camps going on. You've got the Jeannie Luke camp, number one. You've got the LeBron Paul camp, number two, right? And you've got the um, uh, LeBron Rich Paul camp. And you've got the, the, right, the, the ball camp. You've just got camps all over the place, right? Oh, sorry. And the Magic and, and Rob Palinka camp. So you got Jeannie and Luke, Rob Palinka and Magic, and Rich Paul and LeBron. And to say they're on the on the same page would be a complete lie. And in New Orleans, we know the train wreck that that franchise has been in, in part due to the context of what's happened to the Saints, right? And just the the level of emotion and anger and and victimness and lawsuits that they're pursuing with that you know with their NFL team, and now this, right? So to say they're in a stable spot and again traded seven first round draft picks in a row to have a team this year which is wildly under five hundred with an NBA all NBA player, you know, not exactly a, a um, uh, you know a, a hallmark for for stability. So getting back to my point, right? I, I'd like to believe that maybe this is a an aberration of two very un poorly managed franchises with poorly led um, with leaders with. Uh, magic in his arrogance with Del Demps and his defiance and his under extreme pressure. So 
Do you see what I'm saying? Like these these two characters in this situation are pretty. These aren't oh, exactly your. I don't this think you can exactly... blame Del Demps for this for the the leaking and things like that. I think that was all. That was all. I can blame Del Demps for creating an environment over the last seven years of of losing and of short termism and of right. You and I thought he should have been fired two years ago, and then they have, I guess, you know, a, a bit of the boy did he win a lot of credit from from sweeping the Portland Trailblazers right in the playoffs last year. Um, so that, that's all I'm saying, Daz. I so agree. I'm, that's I'm, fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying that he, he's not exactly created, uh, you know, maybe Dame Lillard's going in this camp. I'm trying to go. He, Del Demps has not been a terrific executive, right, with building the right environment for um, for his superstar player and the Boogie Cousins trade and all, this, all the rest of it. So, um well, so let's move on and talk about a few trades, Des, because uh, the trade that I want to talk about really the major trades, and we'll try and sort of get across them uh, as quickly as we can. Uh, the first one is the New Orleans Pelicans, of course, did trade away Nico Miritich to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I'm not as high on this trade as other people. I'm sort of shrug my shoulders a bit. I don't, I don't understand the the obsession people have with Miritich. I mean, it's one of those things where the guy can, a guy can shoot threes that's tall and everyone just loses their shit over him. Guess what else? He can't stay on the court. He's injured now. He hasn't played for the Bucks yet, unless I'm mistaken. Um, I have no faith, no faith that he's going to be able to stay on the court for a long uh, play from now. They didn't give up a heck of a lot. They gave up a couple of nice second-round picks and essentially Thon Maker. Uh, because we'll deal with the Stanley Johnson side of it on, on the New Orleans part of things. But what's your sort of view or take on it? Because people are sort of saying, well, this pushes Milwaukee over the top. And I, personally, I just don't see it. I think, yes, OK, if everything breaks right, maybe Miritich is the guy that you look back on and say, gee, thank goodness they did that trade. But I'd be stunned if we're seeing you in, in May going, thank God they traded for Miritich. I think you just assume you get nothing out of him and hope you get something. Right, so a lot to unpick there. So, um, so first of all, right, let's just let's just get some data, right? What's the the Milwaukee Bucks record is forty two and fourteen, and their point differential is nine point eight, which is the best in the NBA. And if you want to talk about how shitty they are in uh, in the shitty conference, their point differential against the West is also plus eight point five. In their, um, oh, I don't think games. that argument's quite as strong this year. I think the East has been better, particularly at the top end this year. I'm just data. Right? Milwaukee Bucks is arguably, let's just say, at worst, they're one of the top three or four teams in the whole NBA, yep. right? Yep. In this season, great. And so, what did the what did the best one of the top three teams in the league give up? Right, um, two second rounders, which were acquired from Jared Dudley salary cap and Jody Meek salary cap from Washington. And a, a second rounder from Denver, which is a flop, a flip for Roy Hibbert. So the the cost that Milwaukee um, put out to acquire these second rounders that all went to New Orleans was almost was literally nothing in terms of assets. It was just being a, a, an intermediary, and having bits of cap space to help relieve some luxury tax um, considerations in a couple of different franchises. So part one is that one of the toughest trades to make, right? Is you, you go, we'll probably get to it. Is it? That's a hard trade to contemplate Valanchunas, C.J. Miles, and um, DeLon Wright. Question, are they more valuable than Mark Gasol, right? That's a hard thing 
to take this, let's get also a top five NBA team and subtract three rotation players and add one better rotation player. I go the calculus and the risk for that. Very, very different than the fact of, of four second rounders to be clear. And Thon Maker, who had another Anthony Davis like trade request. So the fact that <laughs> Horst was able to take the Thon Maker request, get the secure deal with, with Detroit, with Stanley Johnson, but push pause on that because, hey, lads, hey, Detroit, I've got something else in the works, right? He got them to hold for 24 hours, Daz, and to complete this deal to get Nico. So I kind of go, what did the Bucks give up, right? They gave up um, some second-rounders and Fawn to get a guy who averages, yep, 16 and 8. Yep, Nico's hurt. He's often hurt. That is true. But if he doesn't play, they won't know any different, Daz. They'll still have one of the top three or two or three records in the NBA. If he does contribute, boy, number one, he's insurance for Brooke Lopez, Right, number two, boy, he allows them to play some Giannis more at five ball because he's got some size and some girth to bang against, a, at least bang and take absorb some heat against a, an Embiid type series. And so, from a Milwaukee perspective, it's hard to look at it as anything but sort of an upside trade. And zooming out a half a step, right, the arms race is on, Daz. Right, LeBron is gone, and we've seen it. Right, poor Indiana lost their chance with Vic. But, right, Philadelphia acquiring Tobias Harris, Toronto acquiring, acquiring Marcus Saul, and the Bucks acquiring Nico, it's, it's, it'd be hard. I'd love to hear the arguments to say that from the assets put out versus the assets received, that the Bucks didn't do really well compared to Philadelphia and Toronto in terms of what they actually had to give up to, to improve their team this year to kind of go all in. So, oh, look, I, I, what, I, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like the trade. I mean, I think that's a, it's good value for the trade. But I just think, just woo up on on thinking this is going to be the missing piece because um, I, I think it's exactly right. I think this is all upside for Milwaukee. If you but, get nothing from him, you're still the best team in the East potentially. But if you do get point, something from him, that may be what pushes you over the edge. Well, last point. So I go. So which edge are we talking about here? Right, um, Nico is not going to start. And Nico's going to be coming off the bench. And let me, uh, I had my stats before. Give me two seconds. Um, well, I'll just quickly get Yes, here, no, no, just, uh, just, I'm going to finish the point and then we'll move on, right? Because I, I know way too much about this trade, Daz, right? So the Milwaukee Bucks have the second best net differential of their bench in the NBA. The, the Milwaukee Bucks' second unit, right, is um, two, a plus 2.4, number two in the NBA. Because, right, their offense is terrible, but their defense has been out of this world, right? The George Hill, DJ Wilson, Ursan Ilyasova, Sterling Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, like that has been an unbelievably rugged defensive team just with no punch. So the thought process goes, right, Daz, take that team, and rather than now having to stagger Giannis and, and Chris Middleton, you can just put Nico in there and let Nico fucking go crazy. So that's the, the, the Mike Budenholzer perspective is to add a gunner like Nico to that second unit with, the again, the best defensive second unit in the league, and now we perhaps got ourselves something. So um, clever trade, um, lots of upside. Had they had to staple Sterling Brown or Malcolm Brogdon, we would have sent, oh, gosh. right? But it was Thon who was out of the rotation and wanted out. And so, again, what they gave up from this year's rotation was nothing. And, oh, by the way, they're actually now free and clear of, 
of Thon's $3.7 million cap hit next year. So actually the Nico trade still improves their cap situation for next year. So it's a, it just sort of feels like almost a riskless quote unquote transaction. Um, I'd love, where do you want to go next? Gasol, Tobias Harris, uh, we'll go Gasol um, next. Sheldon Mack. Gasol next. Uh, the she, Gasol was another one I was a bit. Now, I, I'd love to hear you. I I, I need a break because my brain's a little bit fried. Because you've also had, you've been a bit wobbly about Toronto, right? For a while, kind of, even though they're right there in terms of record and least, you've kind of not, you've not been totally sold on them, either kind of the heart and soul or the the X factor, or maybe it's Kawhi. But what did you think with your kind of wobblingness about Toronto that you've expressed before? What do you think of Gasol with them now? Does that give you more confidence in them? Less confidence or, or unchanged? Where are you at with them? Probably, from from Toronto's perspective? I I can't get excited about Gasol going. I, I just think Gasol's washed up, Daz. I don't see any... I'd be stunned mm. if Mark Gasol comes in. I mean, he's he's played two games already. It's sort of been a blah, sort of return. Um, Kawhi didn't have a great game today. He sort of... It was um, the Knicks and Nets with their two games. That's right. Yeah. So, but the, the Nets was, was a... Well, they're actually both reasonably close. The Nets sort of come, made a bit of a frantic comeback today um, and nearly took the game. But I just... I've seen a bit of Memphis this year and, and Gasol started the season obviously really well and looked good and then he... He got hurt, and then he just hasn't seemed to come back that well, although he had played pretty well. His numbers were okay in the last sort of 10 games. I'm not convinced as he's that much of an upgrade on Valentinus. I'm really not. And again, it comes back to this, oh, well, he can shoot threes. Well, okay, he can shoot threes, but where's the value going to be other than maybe he's an Embiid stopper? But I don't see him being able to have a big impact against Milwaukee. I don't see him being able to have a big impact against Boston. Um, even against uh, Indiana, if that's a if that's a matchup that they face, I don't see him having a, having a massive impact there. So you're sort of bringing him in with the hope that maybe he's going to give Joel Embiid a bit of a hard time and maybe hit a few threes. But he's just at a different point in his career. And if he if he opts into his contract next year, I guess maybe they can still move him in the trade, but that's going to make it make things interesting for them um, in terms of free agency, yeah. who they're able to bring in and build around this team. So to me, it was a bit of a... It, it wasn't, I guess, the piece I was looking at for them and thinking, well, this is the, piece, the missing piece for them. Um, I would have actually liked... I know they were talking about moving Kyle Aram. If they had bought Mike Conley in, then now, now you've got my attention. Because I think there's problems there with Kyle Lowry and his back and, and, and him being hurt. And Van Vliet's sort of being similar as well. And I don't think they can lean on Van Vliet for massive minutes um, either. I think he's, well, he's out nice. for the next three weeks at least. That's yeah. right. So he's, he's been hurt. sort of, he's, he's been struggling to stay on the court. And I, I think Van Vliet's just going to be one of those guys, a bit like Berea, where they just, they're, they're so a little small. bit of a spark plug. Yeah. And, and it's hard when you're that small. In the NBA, so that so would have, well, that would have well, been a trade so I, that got my attention more than Gasol. But what did so you think? A, I mean, you're you're going up two, against them. I don't know if I, would, I I don't I won't have a conclusion, but I said there's two aspects which interest me, right? Which is the um, number one, right? Valentunas is a he's a good guy, right? He's a he's an every every man's player, um, almost John Henson like in his attitude, right? So part of me sort of says that maybe what Masai has bought here is a little bit of nasty streak, 
right? Marcus Skull is a fucking fiery competitor, right? You've seen him, and you've probably seen him a lot more than I have with your Spurs, right? He, this guy doesn't back down. He's fucking fiery. And so I kind of go, that type of attitude, they might need that against when Giannis is breathing fire and dunking on their face. So maybe you need a, a Gasol to put a forearm into Giannis and send him to the floor or right stuff that happens in playoffs. You don't like that in the regular season, but that's the shit that happens in playoffs, right? When you're seeing a team, right, 48 minutes a night for for seven nights in a row, right? And I go, that's the sort of attitude that maybe Masai was buying here. And again, similarly with Mar and him going kind of quote unquote all in to get Kawhi. There's a bit of that, you know, Kawhi has a different personality than Gasol, but that right, silent kind of mercenary type versus DeRozan. DeRozan was a really awesome dude who got fucking clobbered by, by by LeBron every year and didn't seem to bother him. And so I go, I wonder, is there a nasty streak in a good way that Gasol brings? That's part one. The downside is the strength of Toronto for the last five years has been their bench. Now they don't have any. They traded three rotation players and a whole bunch of flexibility. Right, CJ Miles wasn't a world beater. DeLon Wright's not exactly Marcus Smart, but they have just shipped away options, right? Their options are not limited. They've gotten to Saul. They're going to have to find the way he can fit in that rotation and starting units and closing units with, with them, Siakam and Ibaka. And, but they have shrunk as, right? Patrick McCaw played 20 minutes tonight, right? Ananobi played 18 minutes. So they are now down to the, the Raptors are basically the Rockets of last year. They've got eight or nine guys they can trust. That's it. So that kind of doubled down and said maybe this, you know, the 12 man deep bench wasn't working for him. So I don't know if it's good or bad, Daz. Um, I think Memphis probably got about decent value for for what um, with Gasol with his twenty five million dollar player option next year. So I think it was probably a fair value trade. But we're just going to see a completely different Toronto Raptors personality in the playoffs. Much, much shorter bench, far fewer options, bit more nasty streak. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'd be surprised. I, I just can't see him holding up at the, at a, at playing at a high level for you know, the 20, 25 game, whatever they're going to need to get through the the, 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 um, the Eastern Conference Finals and, uh, and the NBA Finals. The, he, he is a guy that's given Golden State. He's been pretty healthy this I'll year. I'll say though, this right? for him. He is a guy yeah. that's given Golden State problems at times over the years and there's not too many players you can say though I remember when Golden State were going for the title a lot of people forget the team that gave them the, the closest run when they first won the title was Memphis who took them to six games um, and that was a really close series and there's just been times over the last few years and not too many teams have given Golden State problems but at times Memphis have have sort of played them close and a big part of that has been Gasol so look I can see the I can I can see the the logic behind it, and I think for them and, and for Milwaukee, I see the logic behind both moves, and I think in 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 their own right they're good trades. But I'm just I'm yet to be convinced that these are the missing pieces that they needed. Um, in either case, I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm just not a Miritich fan. Missing pieces against what? I mean, to what metric though? <laughs> against Golden State, I think there's no piece. Well, even to win, the, to... to win the Eastern Conference. So if, if you're sitting there saying, now maybe Milwaukee didn't need the piece. I think Toronto did. I'm not convinced that Mark Sowell is going to be that guy. Yeah, but I go, you got sort of three, but I go, you got three non-all-stars, right? Kind of going, 
right west to east with Miritich, Harris, and Gasol. So oh, each of the I think that's a bit harsh on Harris. I think Harris is easily an All Star if he's in the Eastern Conference. Oh, okay. So um, my point was it's the Eastern arms race, right? LeBron is gone. Uh, Vic is hurt, and maybe you know maybe we're all underestimating Indiana without Victor Oladipo. Boston is right. Boston, Warchest, Danny Ainge, blah, 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 Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, etc. They got a whole bunch of an amazing who we thought if you stacked them up against Milwaukee and Toronto's rosters, you know, one man, one through 10, they probably win, you know, um, seven of those 10 slots. And just in terms of pure raw talent, man for man on that roster, I go, that's that's the Boston team we have. And then Toronto, Philly and Milwaukee going Versions of quote all in. Well, let me season. put it to you this way, Des. I think the team that improved the most at the deadline for me was Philadelphia, and I don't think it's a close argument. I think with Indiana, Indiana are going to finish the regular season off really well. I think they, they've won five in a row now. They're just playing hard, and it's all credit to Nate McMillan. But they're not going to be a playoff threat. So forget about them. They're going to be. If they can somehow hold on to that three seed, they'll obviously win the first round because it drops off after that top five. But I think they're going to be just cannon fodder for whoever gets them out of that top four in the second round. Um, But to me, and I've watched the two games Philly have played since Harris came in, and they're they're pretty much unguardable now when that that, um, starting five's on the court. Now, obviously questions over their bench um, and how how effective that's going to be. But I don't think there's any, a close question about who improved the most out of those um, those uh, out of those three teams between Milwaukee, Toronto and Philadelphia. I think it's easily Philadelphia. Now, having said that, I think Philadelphia, to me, was well, the fourth place hold of those, on, those teams anyway. But, but, that, but that you're arguing apples and oranges, right? Could improve, add, if he well, no, no, I'm not saying because no, obviously they paid, they paid the hold most to get Tobias you, Harris as well. That's if you add Tobias Harris with the Bucks, would you say they would improve the most? Of course. That's what I'm saying. Well, that, the best player that joined well, what did they give up? in that those trades, they, well, they gave up a heap. That's what I was getting at. So they paid a lot to get it. But if you want to talk yeah. about who improved the most, if we're saying all these teams are going all in for a title and who improved the most at the deadline... Philadelphia improved the most. Now, regardless of what they paid, they improved the most. Now, having said that, I think they were a notch below those other teams anyway going into that. So have they improved enough to now put themselves in a conversation to beat them? Let's just wait and see. They play Boston tomorrow. Um, That's a must-watch game, Daz. If you're interested in what happens in the Eastern Conference playoffs, that one's a must-watch because Boston are wobbling at the moment. There's there's internal problems there again that they're talking about. I've been really impressed with Philly from a defensive point of view, sorry, offensive point of view. I think their defense is sort of, they play when they feel like it. But by gee, they've looked looked so good on offense, admittedly against a pretty poor uh, defensive team, to say the least, in the Los Angeles Lakers. But I could see the theory behind... Pretty poor. Philadelphia <laughs> shot 58% from the floor, 50% from three-point land, right? They, uh, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, well, Tobias Harris started the game at, uh, I think he went seven for seven. 
And um, and this is why I can't stand Kyle Kuzma's game, Das, because he scored. I think he scored like twenty three points in the first quarter. So Kuzma is a super poor man. Fantastic on fantastic on offense. He just didn't even pretend to play defense. He just didn't yeah, care. He's, he's just like I've done my job. Yeah, it's someone else's job to get uh, to pick he up. Did score, he did score thirty nine. I know. Offensively fantastic, but at least at least pretend that you're playing defense. At least pretend that you care. You know, on that end of the floor, because really, if you if you're scoring twenty three at one end and letting in twenty three at the know. other, well, you're, let, a net, you're a net zoom, zoom out, right? So the Sixers traded two first round picks plus a. A nice rookie in Landry Shamit plus whatever, 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 to get Tobias Harris, right? Who's an, an expiring guy who's going to earn thirty million dollars a year. They did a bunch of first rounders, and they go for the two first rounders in Landry Shamit. I go, that's kind of what the Bucks did. They traded a first rounder, albeit a protected one, to get Eric Bledsoe, right? Just barely twelve months ago, another first rounder to clear their cap sheet next year. They got George Hill and a super clear cap sheet, right? So I kind of go. That feels about George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, and a super clean cap sheet is about the same as what Tobias Harris is. They paid about the same price. So I'm kind of going, that's why I sort of look at it. It feels like a really awesome arms race, and I'm loving, and I'm going to be terrified and sick and probably going to have to call off work every single day (laughs) of assuming the Bucs get past the first round. There's a second round of the playoffs. Right, whether the Bucks play or not play, if it's Bucks Raptors or Bucks Sixers or Bucks Celtics, and it's Sixers versus Celtics or Sixers Raptors and Buck, oh my God, there's going to be must see TV every day because there's so much riding on it. I'm like, what we have now is the Sixers have gone all in on their starting five, and they've got you know, I don't know James Ennis and Jonathan Cinnamons and Bobon in the bench, and I go, holy fuck. If the Sixers are going to play their their last year's and their starters are going to play forty minutes and they're going to pray the bench can just kind of hold on, right? Yeah, yeah. Boston's still Boston. Toronto is going to complete flip. Toronto's gone from super super deep to also much much shorter and tighter. Shrunk the rotation, gave themselves some nasty. And Milwaukee's done kind of the well. We're just going to change our style and we all love each other. Like the Milwaukee's like the really super, 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 super poor man's golden state, right? Which is everyone wins. We're all happy. We're all fun. There's all love. Everyone loves Giannis and Chris is happy and Bled is, right? Everyone's happy there, right? This super system and we're just going to trust the process, trust the system. And I go, oh my God, Daz, talk about contrasting styles. Boston arrogance and racism. Awesome. To, you know, Philly going flipping the script from the process to selling all their first rounders to four max contracts. Oh my God. T- Toronto in a year completely flipping their script from the dedicated long term franchise icons and, and Kyle and, and DeMar into now that bit of the nasty streak with Gasol and now the Bucks with the, the fucking joke through to the, the system. I go, Daz. We love contrast, don't we? We love style differences. We love, we love that when they those smash together. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay. Well done, West. You're still by far the better conference. But I'm sorry, I'm fucking not interested in your playoffs until we get to the maybe to the finals. Are you with me? Can you imagine the the conference semifinals? Oh, I think those four no teams. Doubt, how much is at stake? 
yeah. There's no question that um, there's not a there's not a heck of a lot to look forward to in the West. I, I, I suppose once the playoff matchups sort of fall into place, maybe we'll get some some excitement there. And I'm excited to see what Denver do come playoff time. But yeah, I, I think you're not sorry. You're not excited by Denver. You're mildly curious. No, I'm excited right? like, by we Denver. Kind of it depends like who they them. get. If you see a Denver OKC match up in that second round, I'd I'd, I'd be looking forward to that as much as anything. There's no the stakes. East. What do you mean? There's no stakes. The Denver team's going to be exactly the same next year. There's no stakes. Denver oh, team's I, exactly I get what you're saying. So year. these Everyone's... teams could all blow up. There's no stakes. Well, Golden State's going to beat everyone, and these teams are going to all bring it back. In the East, you got what the hell? Milwaukee's four of their five starters are unrestricted free agents. I'm Trump's talking about like, basketball, Baz. I mean, you're interested in all these sort of extra no, no, no. I'm talking Both. about the on-court product of what I, is I, going I, to be produced between the Western Conference Plus and the Eastern Conference Plus. I'm deeper. just as interested to dig see deeper. what Denver do on the court. The f- franchise... If Boston gets swept in the second round, Daz, think... So th- that's but that's off-court game. stuff, Daz. That's off-court stuff. But no, no, it affects the play. The players, everyone knows the importance of this of the playoffs this year in the East are far greater. The stakes are far higher this year than they were last year. That affects play, Daz. That affects effort. That affects right the coaching staff, right? The only the only one who had anything at stake last year was Dwayne Casey. Right? Boston was playing with house money. Philadelphia knew they were fucking around. They were injured. Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty was a fucking joke. <laughs> and LeBron, like the East was a fucking idiot's train wreck. And now oh, I don't of... think that comes into play, Sinky Dad. I think when you oh, get into the, does, when does. you get into oh. the playoffs, you're you know, telling me Kyrie's not going to count. If, if if Celtics are down three nil in the second round to Philadelphia, you're telling me that doesn't come into it. If Philadelphia's up three nil on the Celtics, you're saying Kyrie is exactly the same. Yeah, but he's any player's going to be half checked out. And but he's an unrestricted to, free agent franchise icon. Do you see what an unrestricted free agent is icon who's been phone calling LeBron and telling the Boston press? Well, I look, all I can say, Daz, is I'm looking forward to elements of the Western Conference just as much as the East. Just as much as the East. But I think overall that second Well, you round, enjoy James Harden and you enjoy well, Dame and CJ the fucking it out. I Bold didn't say bird. that. I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what Denver do. This is the first time a young team like that's made the playoffs. They're in the two seed at the moment. I'd love to see them play OKC. I think Spurs Warriors is always great to watch in the first round. <laughs> that's going to be fantastic. Okay. Well, let's let's wait and see, Des. Let's wait and see. I love that we're, we've become like the... Whatever I said, super, 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 super poor man. <laughs> the super poor man's Gulliver and Sharp, where you're the West Coast, you know, <laughs> sycophant. Well, there's the better East basketball. The West, the West is better basketball, Daz. I'm a basketball purist. I mean, you want to talk about all these drama is, and on, you want to watch I'm Desperate Housewives or whatever you want to look at. Let's, let's use data. Um, the six West is 15, better. Six through 15, right? You've got 10 teams who would destroy the bottom 10 teams in the East. That's not close, but I'm saying that what's at stake, right? But I don't, again, uh, Des, it's come, that comes Hold down up, to listen. the drama aspect of it. <laughs> so look, let's let's end with a question without notice, and I stole this joke from someone else, but I want to hit it with you, hit you with it. Um, what's a bigger oh, no. waste? What's a bigger waste of money? Trump's wall or John Wall? 
<laughs> That's a good one. I actually think John Wall might be bigger waste <laughs> because he's going to probably end up John Border Wall, um, you know, doing all kinds of illicit things in Mexico and pretending that it was all part of, uh, you know, his right as a, you know, I'm a 27-year-old, sorry, 28-year-old, excuse me, 29-year-old, excuse me, 30-year-old, year old man, what do you expect me to do? So I think the wall, the Trump's wall actually would be such a symbol of, you know, um, impotence that it might actually serve humanity well. So I'm going with John Wall as a greater waste of me. Uh, do we even know, do we know how he... Did we know how he actually ruptured his Achilles? Was it a boot or was he, you know, uh, 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 you Hang know. on, that's the Washington <laughs> Wizards team trying just coming into this. <laughs> was, he, was he tapping something, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, was he, uh, you know. <laughs> I think, well, I did hear he wasn't in his boot <laughs> when he went into the shower. <laughs> So um tell you what, I, I don't I don't know the ladies very well, but a walking boot ain't sexy. Yeah, that, that ain't sexy. <laughs> well, you know he treats his body like a temple. <laughs> John <Moore. laughs> like Garrett Temple. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah. The train oh, sorry. <laughs> rolls Are on, you I on seriously are, if we did franchise rankings, like we would have pretty we, we, we probably had Sacramento probably number 30 for like five years in a row, right? They're like suddenly like number 12 or whatever. But who's your bottom three? Obviously, Washington's bottom three. Who are your bottom three franchises? Just to finish this robust debate off. Oh, it's Washington? Got to be Washington, Chicago, and... I've, I've got to put Orlando in there because they've just been so irrelevant oh, for so long. Yeah. Put Orlando beneath Cleveland and Phoenix. Well, and I think York. Phoenix at least have got some some pieces you can sort of. They do. I they guess do. you can you can project it out and see that they can build them. But Chicago have got very little, and they're just a train wreck. I mean, the boiling experience is not going well, and Orlando no. have just been so in, incompetent for so long. Um, maybe the Mark L. Fultz trade will be the thing that turns them around, as but I somehow doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a lot of Chick Fil A places in Orlando, so maybe he'll he'll find a home there. But um, yeah, that, that'd be the three. I mean, Cleveland, you, it's a bit harsh to throw them in. I mean, this is the, they've made what four finals in a row, and they're having a shocking season. So I wouldn't throw them in just yet. But I, I think when you've been as irrelevant for as long as Orlando have, you've you've got to pay the piper. It, it, to be fair, and you know, to be fair to Cleveland, right? With my pound the over with them is that at least since they've decided to do their 180 degree turn, they've been pretty consistent with just collecting, taking on bad salary and a lot of bad salary. Well, they've done well. I mean, they've turned their, some of their players in the couple of first rounds, what, six second rounders, two first rounds, six second rounders. Yeah, they got the Bucks first rounder, which is protected. Then they got the Houston's first rounder, which is, you know, going to be like number twenty-seven not great or something. Rounds, yeah, and they won no, today but, against New York. But yes, they got Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris. Chris put up numbers today. He was probably the best player on the court for them. Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, Della Vadova, and John Henson and Nick Stauskas. 
It is unbelievable. Well, it could be worse. You could be paying Delhi $34 million. Tell you what, Delhi was 12, 12 and 6 in the victory. Well, that's more than right. Gordon Hayward's put up for a But you know what? So I go, since they're 180, I, I say that literally tongue-in-cheek, and I go, since they're complete whiplash, they've actually stayed, they've stayed to course, right? Which is just, right, use their cap space and, you know, try to get, you know, get as many picks in 19 and 20 as possible and see what 21-22 brings. So I'm with you. Cleveland is at least kind of taking a half step above Orlando, who just seems to just sit there and do nothing. And, of course, right, one of their seven-footers gets hurt. Um, and, of course, their their big acquisition, you know, is a guy who hasn't played in six months because he has some fake injury. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I do feel right. Friday Porter that went from Washington to Chicago, so from from the dumpster fire to the uh, to the fat fire to the dumpster juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, mate. To, we'll look, okay, good I'll one. Maybe they'll leave yeah. it there, mate. Like, we'll, we'll try and not have a forty-five minute oh, argument. Oh man, that was beautiful. That's terrific radio there. Dennis. I have to tell you, you're wrong more often than get you, you fired up. So. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, like, oh, I just, yeah, it's great. So we're well, good. We'll put this in the time capsule and we'll, we'll trot it out at, at the moments when we see Boston versus Philly and just the unbelievable tension versus Oklahoma or Houston. Why does anyone, uh, don't does anyone... be throwing Houston in, Danny. I never said the Houston Rockets. I said I'm excited to see what the Denver Nuggets do. And I think there's just no Play better um, basketball. My only point is there's just no stakes. stakes in L.A. There's some stakes in, I guess, a little bit of stakes in Utah. Like, they need to kind of, you know, kind of keep going. Like, what's this, what's at stake in San Antonio this year? Right? Like, what's the well, – look, let's pretend they're a top four team. Well, the stakes for San Antonio are the regular season because we want to make the playoffs. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Well, you make the playoffs, but um, – but again, that's playoffs, that's right? drama for us, Daz. That's the, the again. I'm going to reiterate. It's not the drama that the players are going to get caught up in. I just believe. Yeah, it. I think they do. I think they do. Anyway, Daz. All, all right. right. So they're still um, San Antonio's OGs. They're only. Oh right, they're only a game out of the ninth seed. The Clippers should probably drop though, right? The Clippers, Clippers and Lakers. Drop. I think, and and San Antonio's got to get through the radio road trip, and then it's going to be. Um, they still got a one game lead, right? They're a game on Sacramento on the eighth seed. If we don't beat Memphis tomorrow, I'll be officially. Uh, you can yeah, you have to win that one. Send me over yeah. the Milwaukee panic button that you've pressed every year. But for again, the last you're two games for out of the four seed. So like you're one game from yeah, out of our, the, our schedule gets a lot from, easier after the. Or after this, we haven't. We, you know, we haven't played Cleveland once. We got Cleveland twice, so I Great. like that. I like those odds. Um, yeah. So all right, that'll be good. All right, buddy. Okay, Have a mate. Good sleep, Have a good pal. Break. That was fun. Cheers. Good all to right. talk, buddy. Bye. Bye.